everybody. Hope you're having a good time. I'm going to be uh, finishing up the gifts, not the series, but just talking about the nine gifts. We're doing the last three. Almost going to wrap up the series next week. Um, we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit or uh, the, the charismata. You've probably heard the word charismatic either in a church context or even in a secular context. We'll hear somebody say, uh, that is a charismatic person, meaning, you know, they're well-spoken, they handle themselves well. Obviously, we're talking about it more in a Christian setting. And uh, charismatic or charismata is not just the word for the crazy Christians. Uh, the charismaniacs in our midst, uh, the Lord bless them, the tambourine smugglers, um, it comes from the word charismata which is a plural word for gift of grace found in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4. It specifically refers to the divine gifts given to believers through the Holy Spirit. So the, the gifts of the Spirit, not to be confused with the fruits of the Spirit. Anybody know what the fruits of the Spirit are? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, long-suffering. Okay. All right. And... A good way to distinguish between the gifts of the Spirit versus the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit are more internal transformation for, with the Holy Spirit that brings about in, in, internal change, uh, i.e. character, right? Uh, good character looks like the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, whereas the gifts of the Spirit are more external and I think the reason why, especially in our charismatic circles, we make uh, a big, big mistake uh, is we, we emphasize the gifts over the fruits and we get ourselves into trouble. Okay, When the gifts, when people run amok with the gifts of the Spirit without having good character, we get into trouble. Okay, And, and we want to marry those two together. So we, we, can't, we can't bring about a, a situation of change before we acknowledge that the change needs to start with me. Okay, despite what your mom told you, you are also a sinner in need of Jesus. <laughs> Amen? Amen. Okay, great. Fantastic. We're getting somewhere. So we're specifically talking about the gifts this month. But I really just want to just take a minute just to emphasize the fact that the Spirit does not give half of Himself, right? And when He brings about transformation, it's not just for a community, it's not just for healing, but it's also for you. You're also supposed to be different, at least a little bit nicer, okay? Um, and not only after you get saved, but as time progresses... The Luke that is here now is hopefully better than the Luke that was a year ago. Hopefully. Okay? Two steps forward, one step backwards. Sorry? <laughs> uh, hopefully a better me, you know? Uh, and the same, because I, I, it's not just that the Holy Spirit works in my life once. It's that through the Holy Spirit, I commit to this process called sanctification. Okay, which is an ongoing, continuous process. You can read about this in, um, in Philippians chapter 2. Uh, maybe you've heard about working out your salvation with fear and trembling, specifically Philippians 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 18, right? And what do, we, what do we mean by this? If you read that verse, it's working out your fear, your, your salvation with fear and trembling, um, growing close to God, who wills you to act, right? Just think about that. Have you ever felt like you don't even have the will to do something, right? It is through the Spirit of God where you receive even the will to do what you should be doing. Think about how profound that is because everybody, everybody knows what they should be doing, right? That's part of the problem. We know what we should be doing. We know what we shouldn't be doing. It's that we, the things that we are doing, we shouldn't be doing, and the things that we should be doing, we're not doing, right? That's the human condition. This is Paul in Romans 7. That's the problem. 
But with the power of God, with the power of His, of His Spirit, it's not just that we know what we should be doing, it's that we actually have the power to execute on that. That's pretty cool, right? Where we can get to a place, a level of maturity, where we know what is the will of God and we can act on it. And that's essentially what boils down to with, with the Spirit of God, that He works in our lives. Okay, But now, I think um, what's, what's important to note is that I think a, a lot of people find this topic um, weird, mostly because I think we've, to a certain extent, overcomplicated it. Okay? Think about this. I want us to think about, uh, sorry, just, just so you know, if you weren't here for the last two Sundays, Amor just brought about these uh, verses um, and just speaking about the fact that um, this walking in the Spirit of God is supposed to be normal for everyday Christians. Okay? And think about this. You can go to the next slide. I just want, I want us to think about two truths. Okay? It's just two characteristics of the Holy Spirit. Number one, He is a comforter. Okay? As it says in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3 to 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any infliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Okay, so that word comfort is repeated a lot. And uh, I think sometimes we have a little bit of a trigger warning reaction when it comes to the word comfort because we're taught, and not necessarily wrongly, we're taught that comfort zones are bad, right? Comfort zone, bad. And yet here it's saying, okay, uh, God is taking, God of all comfort to, who comforts us, who leads us to comfort, so we can comfort other people. There's a lot of comfort going on there. Doesn't sound like... Uh, <laughs> Okay, so what do we mean by this? We mean that comfort, we're not, we're not necessarily in comfortable positions, but we are able to be reconciled to God in very uncomfortable situations, right? But also think about this, okay? You get the gifts of the Father, right? You get the gifts of the Son, just in case you didn't know. Um, but yet... It's when we start talking about the gifts of the Spirit that people get uncomfortable. Isn't that ironic? Think about that for a second. It's usually when we do a sermon about the gifts of the Spirit, people start thinking, why did I have to bring my relative to this sermon, you know? <laughs> right? And that's, that's so funny because we're, we're talking about the Holy Spirit who is the comforter. Right? And not only that, but it, the Holy Spirit is also the helper, okay? But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you, okay? So if the Holy Spirit is going to come help you and He's going to teach you, what is it that He's teaching? If not the gifts of the Spirit, which Paul outlines, which we've been going through. And it's kind of like this. You know, when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, we go to people and we say, um, Kaya, I'd really, I'd really like it if you could come help me do some DIY stuff around my house. And Kaya's like, no problem. You know, I actually spent three years doing a carpentry degree and I've got all the tools necessary. And I'm like, Kaya, I, I feel like that's cheating, Right? Um, in fact, when you arrive at my house, I'm going to handcuff you with your hands behind your back, but I still want you to help me do stuff around my house. And we kind of do that with the Holy Spirit, right? It's like, I want the comforter. Okay, here are the gifts that will comfort you. No, 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 gifts, that's too crazy. Okay, dear father, my relative is sick. Okay, well, let's move in the gift of healing. No, 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 father, you don't heal. It's like, okay. What, do you, what am I supposed to do now? Right? What would be comforting is if the person you were worried about being sick got healed. Yeah? You'd probably feel a little bit better. Okay? Now, obviously, 
I'm oversimplifying things, and things get complicated. And yes, there's an absolute necessity to push through and to persevere through any situation regardless of the results. Not everything goes our way, how we would want them. Okay? Let me be, let me be um, absolutely clear about that. Some people get healed. Some people don't get healed. And so we're not Christians that look for results. And this is, this is exactly where we get to the signs and wonders problem, where we become fixated on the results rather than being obedient to the Spirit of God. Okay, so I need to make that very clear. But here's the conundrum. What if the Spirit of God calls us to pray for healing? Will you be obedient to that beyond what is comfortable for you? Okay? Because I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, if the Spirit of God is only calling you to remain in a position in which you feel comfortable, Perhaps we need to relook at exactly what you're listening to. Does this make sense? So I'm not, I'm not trying to say that bad things happen and there's always some um, analytical, quantifiable reason for it happening. We don't always understand. Not everything always goes our way. Absolutely, and this is true. And we need to persevere through those moments and times but the problem is we sometimes get stuck in this open-door, closed-door theology. Okay? Well, this isn't happening, so this must be the will of God. Or the reverse, this is happening, so it must be the will of God. Okay? So let me give you an example of this. I've probably shared my te this testimony in church. I haven't shared the second part of it. I've, it was a friend of ours who was uh, struggling to get pregnant uh, when she was, long story short, when she was uh, a teenager, she had a hysterectomy. All her reproductive organs were removed. And um, she ran away from home when she was very young. And uh, she ended up in New Age theology. Long story short, she met a lady in South Korea. She was a Christian. And she met her. She met her and ended up giving her life to Jesus after she shared the gospel with her. Fantastic story. She ended up in our church. Um, Amu did a lot of deliverance on her. She received a lot of healing. And uh, she got into a relationship, and everything seemed to be going well. And her and her boyfriend came with me on a mission trip to Malawi. We were driving through Zimbabwe. We stopped, and uh, I did something which they teach you not to do. Never prophesy over relationships, babies, or death. It's a very good rule, by the way. <laughs> I did not follow that rule because I felt, and I needed to be obedient, that um, this, this person, this, they were going to have two children, okay? Now, let me make a disclaimer. I don't want a whole pandemic of baby prophesying over the sermon, otherwise there'll be very stern words. It's a very good rule. Um, I'm willing to remain accountable for the word that I gave, and so I'd ask you, if can you do the same? Okay. But anyway, long story short, they got married, and she fell pregnant on her honeymoon. Okay? First child comes. So if you've been around, you've probably heard that part of the testimony before. The second part of the testimony is also pretty cool. Um, well, not what happened, but the result. So, now, the first child is an absolute miracle. She shouldn't be able to have children, okay? Um, and two years later, they're trying for a second child. Couldn't have a second child. And um, she had four miscarriages in a row. Very discouraged, obviously. And my wife and I, we went to go visit them, and we're in their lounge, and we're praying together. It was a very simple prayer. And the only thing that I said, what did God tell you? So now in this moment, you've got this temptation. Well, you know, God's not giving you a child, so that must be his will. He's closed this door. That must be his will. All right? But that was not the word that we had received. 
And so sometimes we need to be obedient to, to the words, the prophecy that we receive, take them seriously, and you go and bash down that door. And so we prayed and we interceded, and all we did was we just reminded God of the word that he gave us, okay? She got pregnant a month later, and that baby took her, now she's got two children, okay? So we can get stuck in these, well, it's, it's a little bit awkward, but the, it always goes back to what is God telling us to do? What is he telling us to be obedient to? And, and the reverse is also true. I, if you speak to Uncle Philip, he goes, nah, you guys know Uncle Philip from Life Community. He talks about when he was first called to South Africa, he was unemployed here and he couldn't find work. He was looking for six months for work. And then finally he heard God say, you must go to South Africa. Start an NGO there. Um, spoke to his friend, said, okay, I'm coming to South Africa. The next week, he got three job offers in a row where he was staying. What do you do? Okay, now the doors have opened. What do you do? Well, you'll be obedient to the word of God. Because the Christian does not act on open doors or closed doors. We act on what is God telling us to do. And there are some doors in your life that are open and you need to run away from them. Okay? They look like bad relationships. Amen. Okay, never mind. Moving on. Some doors are closed. And through intercession and prayer and fasting, you need to go bash down those doors. We do not act based on circumstances. The Christian dictates his circumstances according to the word of God. There are injustices in our world which we are called to fight against, to war against through prayer. Okay? And they are not going to come at you with open doors. They're going to come at you with closed doors. And you need to war for that. You, one day when you guys get kids, you're going to need to war for those kids. Okay? The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy your children. You can't operate on open doors and closed doors. You need to operate through obedience. I will bring up my children in the ways of God. They will not depart from it when they get older. Okay. Having said that, we're going to get into the three things that we're going to be discussing today. Um, gifts of discerning of spirits. Amor did the first six in the previous two sermons. So you guys, that's, those are on the podcasts, on Apple Podcasts and uh, SoundCloud and Spotify. If you want to go check them out, George, Shofar George Sermons. And um, so we're going to be doing the last three gifts of discerning of spirits the gift of tongues, and the gift of interpretation of tongues. So I'm just going to read quickly from 1 Corinthians 12. This is the passage that we've been reading uh, the last three weeks. Just to recap, 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to read from verse 12. Um, sorry, from verse 2. Okay. Uh Let's take it from the top, actually. Verse 1. Now, according to spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Okay, now, this is a very, it's a very innocent verse. doesn't look like much, but there's a lot in here, okay? And, and I think it's because we overlook this verse that we get stuck. Okay. The reason why Paul is going to make a clinical analysis of the gifts of the Spirit is not to confuse us, but for the sake of information. I want you to be informed. Okay? Because a lot of people freak out with the categories and don't get stuck in the categories. In fact, when you pray for somebody, you most likely operate in multiple different gifts, three or four at least, without even thinking about it or knowing about it. Okay? Somebody comes up for front for prayer. You go up front, you lay hands on them. What do you pray? Well, you ask God, God, I don't know what I'm doing. Please help me. <laughs> okay? <laughs> and, and you start to say stuff. And prayer is like that. Have you ever thought, of, have you ever prepared a prayer? Well, okay, sometimes you do prepare a prayer. Most of the time it's like, okay, let's pray for supper. What do we pray? Nobody thinks that. What do you do? You start to speak and to pray. 
Okay? You're literally praying by the Spirit of God, by a word of God. Don't overthink these things. So, very important. We, Paul is going on an on a analysis of the Spirit of the gifts for the sake of information. Okay? But don't overthink the, the categories. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except of the Holy Spirit. How simple is that, okay? How do you know that you're speaking via the Spirit of God, okay? If you say Jesus is Lord, you can't say that apart from the Spirit of God. Isn't that cool? Okay, it's a really good tester for, for people as well. So, um, been in situations uh, where, actually the same lady who's testing me I was talking about, where she came in for prayer, and, uh, and we're praying with her, and she's talking about her past and how hectic it is. And we tell her, just say, Jesus is Lord. Like, right? Okay, now we know something's wrong. Now we can pray. We just pray, okay, God, thank you that you're here. We just, in the name of Jesus, we free you with whatever's going on there. We continue and we worship. Eventually, we start worshiping. Eventually, she drops to her knees and she starts to declare, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. Okay, great. We're sorted, okay? We don't need to make it weird. It's easy. Um... Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are variants of service, but the same Lord. And there are variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each, given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For one to is given the Spirit of the utterance of wisdom, to another utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles to another prophecy. So that's everything that's almost discussed up until now. Uh, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kind of tongues. And to another, interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Okay. So that last verse as well, verse 11, also just very... It's, it's also... Something that you'll jump over because it seems obvious, but it's also very important. Okay? The Holy Spirit has an agenda and He has a goal. And He uses us as He wills and pours out His Spirit as He wills <coughs> to accomplish His goals. And the Christian goes, here I am, Jesus, use me. Right? That's all we're signing up for. So don't get confused. Paul's making it very clear. All of these things, okay, they are distinguished, but they're all of the same spirit. Okay. Having said that, the gifts of discerning of spirits, you can go to the next slide there. Okay. So it is a supernatural ability to distinguish between spirits, both godly or otherwise from various sources, such as prophetic words, physical senses, and or spiritual encounters. Um, if you were going to line up all the gifts, discerning of spirits would look like the odd one out. Okay? And I think this is an intentional. I think with all the gifts, the Holy Spirit, almost it's almost like he knew that people would abuse these gifts and put in a check system. Right? How do we know something is from God or not from God? Well, we discern. What do we mean by discern? Well, the, the foundational level to any kind of discernment is the Word of God, right? And that's why it's so important that you study the Word of God. So how do I know something is off? Well, if it doesn't, if, if you're saying something, if you call yourself a prophet, but you're saying something that isn't in the Word of God, then I don't agree. Then it's wrong, okay? Good example, um, COVID comes along, people get freaked out about the vaccines, and they start saying, well, you know, the vaccine has the mark of the beast, and you're going to lose your salvation if you take it, okay? 
So what you're communicating to me is that there is a man-made object which has the power to remove you from the love of God. Okay? To me, that doesn't line up with Scripture. Once again, Romans 8. There is nothing. Heaven or earth, depth, height, breadth, width, that can separate us from the love of God. Make sense? Okay? So... Good word. I understand that you're a very hardcore Christian. You're trying to make controversial statements. Well done. But it doesn't line up with Scripture. Okay? Are you with me? So, we, we check everything. First level of discernment is we check everything by the Word of God. You can call yourself a prophet, but if you contradict Scripture, you are wrong. That is the definition of being a false prophet. <laughs> Okay, so, but there are cases of discernment where um, God gives us a supernatural ability, a check in our spirit that we know something is from God or not from God. Because think about this, and this isn't a, there's, there's precedent for this example, people can come at you in the name of God, even with the word of God, and they can still come against you. Okay, if that sounds weird, think about how Jesus is led into the desert to be tempted by the Holy Spirit. Satan comes to tempt him. How does he tempt Jesus? With the Word. Right, he comes with Scripture. And Jesus discerns also through his knowledge of Scripture. No, sorry. It isn't going to fly, Okay. Um, another really good example of this, John 1 verses 4, 47, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. What's interesting about this is that this is the first time that Jesus meets Nathanael, and he looks at him, just gives him one glance, and he goes, this man has no deceit in him. Okay? That's pretty cool. Okay? Um, I'd, like, I'd like Jesus to say that about me, but I'm too good at poker. Okay, moving on. <laughs> um, so there, there's, there's a case where we are able to read things, we're able to read a situation, people, an environment, but it's also a case where you get um, people that actually can see spiritual things. I myself do not have that ability. Uh, I've met and discipled people that do have this ability. They can see angels. They can see demons. They can see what's going on in the spiritual realm. Um, a quick note about that is that if, if you, everything that you see is demonic, it's a good chance your gift has been hijacked by the enemy, right? Because the, the prophetic word of work of God gives us solutions into our environment. It doesn't give us Problems. It doesn't take a spiritful Christian to figure out that there's things going wrong in the world. Okay? Go on, of, go on to any comment section on any social media platform. You'll see people are very good at spotting problems. That's not the issue. Okay? And if you just do the maths, if you just do the maths, two-thirds of the heavenly host are angelic beings. So if all you're seeing is demons and everything's going wrong and everything's going to pot, most likely... Something's gone wrong with your vision, okay? God gives us this ability to see what He's doing. So a good example of this, the very first mission team that I led uh, to Mozambique, we went to this really remote place um, in the middle of nowhere, no electricity. Um, uh, where we camped, from where we camped, we had to drive five kilometers up the hill so I can get a cell phone signal, send everything send a message to pastors saying we're still alive. Um, uh, uh, where we were camping, a herd of 70 elephants had gone through the river just a week before. This isn't a national park. It's just the bush. Okay, It's just Mozambique, the bush. And so the, f the first night that we got there, um, it's, there's no moon, so it's pitch black. It's just dark. And uh, we got there a little bit late, so we're lugging up equipment up this hill. And everybody's feeling not so lacquer. 
okay, we're going to pray, we're going to intercede, and we just, it just feels, the atmosphere just feels not lacquer, okay? And I'm like, okay, it's probably nothing, we're all just tired, and we're praying, we're praying, all of a sudden, the one girl in the team, she just collapses, she's just, she's out. Now I'm really freaking out, okay? And in my head, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, somebody needs to call the leader, oh, shucks, wait, <laughs> There is nobody. It is me. And the sense of fear and dread. Now the team starts freaking out. Everybody's like in total panic mode. And I'm like, there's such a temptation to give in to that fear in the moment. And it just took one moment where I took a breath and I went, okay, God, I don't know what to do, but I choose you. And all of a sudden I just started laughing. And the whole team stops. They just look at me. Okay, and inside I'm going, I don't know if we're going to wake up in the morning. I have no idea. A little bit overdramatic, but I just start laughing. And the atmosphere all of a sudden changes. And I say, I don't feel like saying it, but these are just the words that come to mind. It's like, we have the Spirit of God. We are the children of God. We will pray, we will intercede. We start to pray and seed. This girl who passed out for like 10 minutes, she gets up like nothing had happened. Thanks for taking a nap on us. And, and we move on. Right, And so there's, there's an atmosphere, and very, very often we as Christians get stuck in these atmospheres. Oh, well, you know, it's very dark. It's like, okay, no kidding, Sherlock. Thanks for the update. Okay? Yes, the world is dark. That's, that shouldn't be news to you. That shouldn't be a revelation. What should be a revelation, the, the, the Word of God that pierces through the darkness to the heart is... Is he with you? And the answer to that is yes. I'm with you wherever you go. Okay, now we're getting to the word of God, the prophetic word of God. Now we're going to stand up and we're going to worship. Okay, as if he is here, even though we don't feel it. And guess what? Well, it starts to feel it a little bit more often, right? As we push in and worship. And so we discern that something's off. Yes, sure, but we also need to discern what is the what is the word of God in that moment? Does that make sense? Okay. And very often this manifests like, oh, we don't go minister in those places. Right? Like we've got this, we, we, we have this thinking that we're going to go into dark places and we're going to get infected as Christians. Okay? We're going to get a little bit dirty. It's going to infect. It's like, it's not, it's not us that needs to be afraid of dark places. It's those dark places that need to be afraid of spiritful Christians when we walk into those places. Does that make sense? Okay. Thanks, Mosbo. I love you. Always so encouraging. Okay. Uh, 2 Kings 6 verse 17. This is speaking specifically about the fact that people are able to see. As an example, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. Matthew 16, verse 16 to 7, Simon Peter said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by God, but by my Father in heaven. Right? It's a gift from the Spirit, an ability Peter got the ability to see, to know, to have information about this person that he was looking at. And Jesus confirms, this, isn't, this wasn't given to you by flesh and blood. This was given to you by my Father. Wow, amazing. Okay, moving on to the fun one, the gifts of tongues. Uh, this is where people often get, uh, let's say, stuck. Um, and I think what's best is just to tell you my own sort of journey with this one. When I first got saved in 2010, now I, you know, I came from a very traditional background and then got thrust in with the, with the weird shofar rites and, uh, and they're all mumbling off in tongues. And I just, I just thought it was weird. It's strange. And I don't, I don't, it's not that I didn't agree with it, but I didn't understand it. And I'm not going to go along with things that I don't understand, okay? Yeah, that's fine. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, and I would say the same to you. If you don't feel comfortable with it, don't do it. Um, but I remember 
um, my given my given answer when when I got into conversations with people about tongues, and they would talk about you know the the validity of tongues, praying in tongues, and, this, and I would say my given answer was, uh, I think you making it weird. Tongues is just the ability to understand a different language. Okay, and that is true. There's precedence for that in Scripture. Uh, Acts 2 verse 11. Both Jews and converts, Judeans and Cretans and Arabs, yet we hear them speaking in our own tongues as the mighty acts of God. In other words, uh, so this is referring to Pentecost. Uh, The Spirit comes on on the guys waiting there in Jerusalem, and they start prophesying, and they start speaking in languages that they don't understand, but the people around them understand. On one eye, we have a friend he went on a mission to Malawi, and one of the guys on his team during a church service got a tongue, what he thought was a tongue. Okay, he's going to speak in tongues. He's going to get up and start rambling off weird stuff. And he starts talking, starts giving a tongue, and he starts to see that people are responding. Somebody's crying there in the corner. Somebody else has just gotten on his face, and he's like, okay, well, he's just going to continue. And he went on for an hour. And then afterwards, the interpreter came to him and said, I didn't know that you could speak Chichewa. Okay, apparently he spoke for a full hour in Chichewa. He didn't even know that he, that he was speaking it. Okay? So there is definitely an ability to speak a different language. But the problem that I always got to was when somebody took me to 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2, because here we have a different distinction, and it spells it out quite well, okay? For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, okay? That's people, generally, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirits, okay? So here we see very clearly two very, dis- two very distinct tongues. There is a tongue that people are able to understand. Um, they speak in a different language, and um, I've also met a lady who um, sh- she can't play any music, but as soon as she gets behind a piano to worship, she can play the piano perfectly. I don't know how that works. And I've also met a guy who grew up in the streets. Uh, when he got saved, he wasn't able to read, but every time he opened up the Bible, he could just read it like that. Okay, and I, I, I don't know if that falls into this category. It's a weird one, but hey. Good for them. Um, So, the Spirit works in different ways, but there is an aspect of speaking in tongues which is unintelligible. And, And I remember, it was in 2012 more or less, trying to get grips over this. And at the time, I was going through something um, difficult, and I was really struggling to pray. And I remember waking up in the morning one time to do my quiet time, and I'm trying to pray, but I'm in such a wretched place. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation, maybe not necessarily when you're praying, but if you're praying, or maybe you need to confront somebody, and you don't even know what to say to articulate the way that you feel inside. You ever been in that situation? You know you need to pray, but either you don't feel like praying, you don't know what to pray. We've been through this a million times. God, I've prayed for this a million times. What do I pray now? And I remember thinking, if only the Spirit could come give me words to say, and it clicked with me. Ah, okay, praying in tongues, right? If only there was a way that God gave me words to get me out of this situation, to pray. And that is the gift of tongues, where we don't always know what to pray, but our spirit prays in each and every situation. And there's a faith element there. Because here's the thing, if you knew what to pray, you wouldn't be in that problem in the first place, right? Imagine this, that God gives of His Spirit to such an extent where you don't have to think the right things or say the right things, but you're saved simply by His good grace. And, I, and I've heard people say this. You get into conversations with people, 
And they're like, yeah, I, you know, I thought I was a Christian, but when I read this verse, then I understood. And I go, whoa, 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 stop there. What do you mean you understood? So you got saved the day that you understood Scripture. So your salvation is dependent on your understanding. Is that what you're saying? You know, we are saved by faith through grace in Jesus Christ, right? Your understanding is not a prerequisite for your submission to the will of Jesus, to his lordship. And in fact, Jesus would sometimes say, he says this very famously in John chapter 13 when he's washing their feet. He says, hey, right now you don't understand, but one day you will. In other words, Jesus does call us to, to positions where we don't always understand. And it's called obedience, right? Sometimes, sometimes we obey, and it's definitely a lot easier to obey when we understand why we need to obey. Amen? Okay? But our not understanding is never an excuse for disobedience. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not like Jesus said, okay, I want you to do this. Jesus, I was going to do that, but I didn't understand. Okay, it's fine. You get a free pass. You didn't understand. Okay, that's not how it works. It's, we are called to submit to the Spirit of God. And so, if God calls us to intercede, especially to intercede in certain situations where we don't understand, we're probably going to be praying in a way that we don't understand, right? And so praying in tongues, if you're going to ask me about it now, I still don't understand it. Maybe that's the point. I don't know. But it is absolutely an expression of faith, right? It's a very raw expression of faith. But the gift of tongues has a limit, and we speak about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, which leads us on to our next gift, which is the interpretation of tongues, because the gift of tongues, this is very interesting, it's the one gift that needs a, a partner, okay? So now, every now and then, somebody will say, oh, well, you know, if you've got the gift of tongues, you have to bring an interpretation, okay? So that's not what Scripture says. You can read it in your own time in 1 Corinthians 14. It says it's better if it has interpretation. It is better, but it's not necessarily wrong if it doesn't have interpretation. It just means that if there is no interpretation, that, that tongue is for yourself, it, and it edifies yourself. Okay, what do we mean by that? It lifts you up, or in another way, to bring you comfort. How does speaking in tongues bring comfort? Because I know that I don't have the words to express or to pray into what I'm feeling or thinking or saying. But I know that when my spirit prays, it's checked, it's covered. I don't have to worry about it. Right? I don't have to worry about the fact. Because the alternative is that we reduce prayer to like a spell, witchcraft. I've got to say the right things in the right way at the right time. Dance a circle, turn around, light three fires, and then poof, miracle happens. Okay, great. Okay? And what we think is, uh, if I don't say the right thing, or if I mispray, or, you know, do you think that God enjoys it when a three-year-old asks him for a bicycle? Right? And your answer to that question is going to tell you a lot about what you think about when you think how God thinks about you. You can run that tongue twister yourself. Okay? Now, whether or not that toddler gets a bicycle is a different story. And that's funny to contemplate. But <laughs> does he enjoy the fact that a three-year-old speaks to him? All right? I'm teaching my son to pray. He's five years old. They pray the stupidest prayers. Borderline theologically inaccurate. <laughs> okay? 
but I would be lying if I said you can't tangibly feel the pleasure of God when they pray. Right? Like, my, my daughter, she's three years old. She doesn't get that there's a difference between praying for food and just praying like when you go to bed. So every time we go to bed, okay, come on, spit. And thank you, Jesus, for the course. <laughs> right. It's funny. Right? <laughs> she would fail Bible school, but she gets an A plus for a relationship, right? But it's, it's, that, it's that childlike faith that I want to talk to you, Jesus. And I don't really know what to say. And for all, all intents and purposes, the things that she is saying does sound something like tongues would sound to us. Right? She doesn't have a comprehension of what she's saying. Um, I mean, my son made a comment last year. He's four years old. And he said, because um, <laughs> we, we, we play rough, so we wrestle. And he said, um, uh, Daddy, if you and Jesus would wrestle, you would win because you're big and strong, right? And I was, I was like, that is such a strange comment to make. <laughs> like, first off, no. <laughs> Theologically incorrect. <laughs> but it made me think that my son's comprehension of who Jesus is is based solely on me, Right? which puts the fear of God on me because I have to represent Jesus to my son. Okay, But his image of strength in a father is in me. He doesn't have a comprehension of who Jesus is. Okay, He doesn't understand. Do you think Jesus loves my son? Absolutely. It's not dependent on his understanding. My love for the, the, the love that I have for my son and my desire to provide for him is not dependent on my son's ability to understand it. Okay? And sometimes, especially when he needs a hiding, which feels like three times a day at times, okay, he definitely doesn't understand it. Okay? I understand the necessity for it. He might not. Does that make sense? And so we can't fall into the trap of thinking that things are either correct or incorrect based on whether I understand it or whether it makes sense or whether it sounds like rubbish. It, it, that's not a logical framework. Okay? So, interpretation of tongues. This is where it really, the penny really dropped for me. Okay? Because now think about this. If tongues is just the ability to understand another language, why would that tongue need interpretation? Think about this, okay? I go to Malawi, I give a word, unbeknownst to me, it's perfect chichewa. We don't need a gift of interpretation to come in and tell the people it's chichewa. They understand it perfectly well. If the gifts of tongues was just the ability to speak a different language or understand a different language, the gift of interpretation of tongues would be completely redundant and unnecessary. Right? It is because there is a category of speaking mysteries unto God that no man understands that we, that we need the partner gift, the gift of interpretation of tongues. Does that make sense? Okay. And that was kind of the clincher for me, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 13. For this reason, anyone who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret what he says. Okay, I'm going to just read this out of the Bible quickly because this is important to get. We need to start wrapping things up. Therefore, I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 14, verse 13. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray for the power to interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind as well. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an out outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? Okay, so making it very important, making it very clear, tongues is necessary, it's great, um, 
but without an interpretation. Because remember, the gifts of the Spirit are supposed to be external, and they're supposed to lift the body up. If you've been in our church for a while, it's also why if somebody comes and gives a tongue up front, then we immediately ask for interpretation of that tongue, okay? Um, and if not, we go, okay, well, that was nice, but it was probably for you, okay? And that also requires discernment. You, as a mature believer, also need to discern, and you need to learn to discern when something is for us corporately or when it's just for you, okay? You know that moment where when you're sitting in a sermon and you're thinking, yes, this is so good. You know, my mother should be here. This message is for her. Okay? Well, she's not there, so it's probably for you. Okay? <laughs> Interpret discernment 101. Okay? Um, so it's, it's, it's things like that. We've got to discern when something is for an individual, when, when we're just, maybe we're just projecting onto other people, or when something is corporate. And that's only done through trial and error. Like, you've got to take risks. Okay, and people say, okay, well, what about keeping a service orderly? And I think there's also a couple of things to say there, okay? Order, orderly does not mean less messy. Okay? If, think about this. If the Spirit of God, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is. Okay? So, if we have a church, church service and we agree that the Spirit of God is here, people are not getting free, is that in order or is it in disorder? Right? If Jesus the healer is in our presence and people don't get healed, is that a point of order or disorder? Okay. When things don't go according to the word or to the nature and characteristic of who Jesus is, we are in disorder. Okay? An ordered service is not a comfortable service. It has nothing to do with comfort or understanding. It has to do with fruit. Okay? If there is no fruit, you are in disorder. You get cut off. You get thrown in the fire. That is a state of disorder. And so when we're running a church service, when we're looking at order, we're looking at things that are ordered within the, the Spirit of God, are in line with the Spirit of God.